I am so excited to be uh, opening God's Word with you all this morning. Um, we're going to be continuing the series of an empowered church. So we're going to be in Acts 8, uh, looking at verses 26 through 40. Acts 8, 26 through 40. But before we get into the passage, I would like to just recap what's been happening in Acts up until now, just over the last couple weeks, so we have good context. All right, so a couple over the last couple weeks, we got to hear about the appointment of deacons, uh, of seven deacons over the church, as well as the appointment of a deacon called Stephen, or named Stephen. And uh, as you guys might know or remember about Stephen, is that he was quickly arrested and put on trial and eventually stoned for his belief in Jesus. And then right after that, we, hear, we got to hear about a great persecution that started in the church in Jerusalem. This was brought on by, by uh, Saul, who was soon to be renamed Paul in the book of Acts a little bit later on. Uh, Dr. Hankins preached on this first passage, of, uh, on the first part of Acts 8, which is the start of this great persecution of the church. And uh, we, we see that through this persecution, many of the believers in, in Jerusalem were scattered around. All right, And then we also got to see that because of this scattering, Philip was able to go up to an area uh, of Samaria, to a city, and give the gospel, and many people were coming to know the Lord. And that kind of sets up for what we're going to be talking about today. So we're going to be, again, looking at Acts 8, verses 26 through 40. But before we read this, let's approach the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we thank you for, for your word. We thank you for... Uh, the songs that we sang this morning, we thank you that all we have is Christ, Lord. We thank you that we're no longer bound by fear, but we, that we are a child of God. Lord, I pray that this this sermon would would touch those, and that your word would work in the in the lives and the hearts of those here. That we would boldly proclaim the gospel as as this sermon is or as this passage is going to teach us. I pray all these things in your name, Amen. Let's read the, these verses. Starting in verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shear is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about somebody else? When Philip opened his mouth, uh, then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself in Azotus, and he, as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. 
Today, we're going to be examining this passage about Philip giving the gospel to the Ethiopian eunuch. And really, we, we see a couple segments here, and really we find three major applications. And I'm going to give you the, these applications right off the start, so you guys know where we're going, where we're headed, and you can follow along as we examine these applications. All right, so here, here they are. Number one, stay sensitive to the Spirit's leading. Number one, stay sensitive to the Spirit's leading. Number two, be bold in your proclamation of the gospel. And number three, trust God with the results. Again, here are the three applications. Stay sensitive to the Spirit's calling. Be bold in our proclamation of the gospel. And trust in God for the results. And the first segment we see in this passage is found in verses 26 through 30. This portion is an example of the Spirit's leading. But in order to examine this properly, I want us to look back at the beginning of chapter 8 just to see what, exactly what's going on in, with Philip. All right, Philip, again, as, as we talked about last week, had uh, been at the head of a great revival in, in a city in Samaria. Many people were coming to know Christ. There was this amazing revival, and the gospel was going forth strongly and reaching many and changing the lives of those around the church was growing and Philip was being used by God to do it, to do the work. So, by all means, it would look like Philip is in the right place. Philip is doing good work. He's giving the gospel. Many are coming to know the Lord, right? That if there, if there is a sign that he's doing well, it's this. It's that people are coming to know Jesus. But we see here that God had other plans than to keep Philip where he was at. Because Philip, or God approached Philip and said, go to the south, go to the desert, go to this, this desert road. He's not sending him to a city. He's not sending him to the next village over or a, another populated area. He says, go south, go to the desert, and I will tell you what to do there. He sends him away from the population. And what we don't see Philip here do here is try to legitimize or argue with God. He doesn't say, but God, there's this great revival here. I need to stay here. This, look at all the work that's being done. God, why are you sending me to the desert? It's the middle of nowhere, this road to Gaza. What, what's going on out there that could be better than what I'm doing here? You don't see anything like that from Philip. We just see that Philip was told by the Spirit to go to the desert, and he went Philip could have used a myriad of excuses, but he didn't. He stayed sensitive and willing to follow God's calling. And so when Philip was called to move on, he went. And it says that the Spirit, we, we know that Philip didn't know why he was going out there. So it's not as though Philip had this really clear um, idea of exactly why he was going out. Right? He, he wasn't set, the Spirit didn't say, you're going out here, there's going to be a guy, here's this chariot, you're going to go up to him. It was, he didn't tell him all of that before he, he got out there. He just said, go, and Philip went. And Philip, maybe along the way, did, did wonder, he, maybe he thought, had the questions, I wonder why God is sending me out here. What, what, what's God got for me uh, out on this desert road? Why, why to a desert road of all places? But none of these thoughts deterred him. Philip didn't argue with the Spirit uh, or with God's leading. He just obeyed. 
I would like to pause here for just a second and talk about the Spirit's leading uh, and, and what the Bible says about it. In Romans 8, 12 through 17, we're not going to read this passage, but it speaks on being led by the Spirit. Christians who are sensitive to the Spirit will have new affections aligned with God. And as the Spirit moves, our, and because of our newly aligned affections with God, the Spirit will move, move these affections and our desires and our will to be in alignment with what God has called us to do. Philip, being sensitive to that call, being sensitive to God's will, followed the Spirit's prodding to go to the desert. And when he got there, he stayed open. You know, he didn't get out to the desert and, and, and complain and think, man, it's just too hot out here. Why is there no water? Man, what, what is going on? He, he doesn't do any of that. He gets out there and then the, the Spirit leads him again and he says, go to that chariot. And we know Philip is eager to follow the Spirit because the passage says he ran to the chariot. He didn't walk or, or jog or, 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 or lays his way up to it. He ran to the chariot, to the, to the Ethiopian eunuch. He, and just picture how awkward that would be. One, they're on the road. They're total strangers. They're traveling. I don't know how many of you love to be talked to when you're, you know, maybe when you're pumping up uh, your car with gas, you know, if you're just on your way. If you're on uh, a thousand mile journey or if you're headed down to Florida or up to Wisconsin, where that's where I'm from. If, if you're on those, I like to just get out of my car, put the gas in the car and go. I don't want to stop and talk to people, right? But... You know, and that would be awkward in and of itself. But not only that, he's also approaching uh, most likely a convoy of people, of a person that is of a much higher status. We saw that the Ethiopian eunuch was a, a, the keeper of the coin for a, a foreign matriarchy. All right? So think about how odd it would be. It'd be like you meeting, you know, maybe not the president of the United States, but be, it'd be like meeting, um, you know, a senator and, and being like, hey, so... You, you got any questions about the Bible? What, what are you reading there? Right? Let me tell you about Jesus. It, it's, it seems kind of awkward, right? But he doesn't let any of that deter him. He just runs. He, Philip knew that the Lord was working through him. He knew that the Holy Spirit had a purpose for calling him there. And he knew that the Spirit had a purpose for calling him to approach the chariot. And he wasted no time in fulfilling that calling. Because Philip stayed sensitive to the Spirit's working, he was willing to go anywhere and to do anything, even without fully understanding why he was going there or why he was doing what he was doing. Because Philip stayed sensitive to the Spirit's leading, he went to the desert and is now, was, uh, and is now approaching a person that he would normally never approach. And because of Philip's willingness to follow that calling, he was brought to a man who was searching the Scriptures, looking for answers. And this brings us to the second application. Proclaim the gospel boldly. Philip proclaimed the gospel boldly. Think about the, where this eunuch was at. He was returning home from, to his home country, reading the book of Isaiah, confused, not understanding what it meant. And when he, when he runs into Philip and invites him to join him, he says, uh, how can I understand this unless someone guides me? So he shares the passage with Philip. And let, let's look back at it again at what it says in verses 32 and 33. It says, Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shear is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch asks a question that is actually debated in Jewish circles at the time and actually still debated in Jewish circles now. 
Who is this passage about? Is it about the writer Isaiah? Is it about another prophet? Is it about the coming Messiah? You know, he's asking an actually very intelligent question. Maybe, and, and again, let's think about where this Ethiopian eunuch is at. He had just come from Jerusalem. He had probably heard about Jesus. Maybe he had heard good things. Maybe he had heard bad things. Remember, Jesus was put on the cross. He was crucified by by the Pharisees and the Sadducees uh, under the false pretenses of blasphemy. So maybe this eunuch had had been in Jerusalem and heard about this Jesus figure who who had caused all this stir and how Jesus was a blasphemer and, and, and all of these things. Or maybe he had heard about Jesus, the great teacher, the great worker of miracles. Maybe he had, maybe he had even met Christians and, and, and didn't, and didn't know it. We don't know what the Ethiopian eunuch knew about Jesus. We just know that, that undoubtedly he had questions about the word and he needed answers. And Philip, Philip had those answers. Excuse me, I lost my place in my notes. We don't know for sure what the Ethiopian eunuch knew, but we know that Philip had an answer to the Ethiopian's question. Luke, the writer of Acts, doesn't include all that he said, but he says that starting with this scripture, in other words, starting with this this passage in Isaiah, he gave this man the gospel, the good news, and he did it effectively. Philip was able to proclaim the news about Jesus boldly because he knew what the Bible said about Jesus, about who Jesus was, about what he did for us. He knew that the gospel was for all. Think about the implications of this. Think about the implications of Philip sharing the gospel with this man. Think about all the differences between Philip and this Ethiopian eunuch. There was a difference in social status. There was a difference in race. There was a difference in culture. There was a difference in country. And there was probably a difference in religion. These differences did not stop Philip from sharing the gospel because Philip knew one thing. The gospel was for all mankind. The differences between these two men didn't matter to Philip. The one similarity that they shared did that they were both sinners in need of Jesus, in need of a Savior. Isn't that an amazing truth? We're all sinners in need of a Savior, in need of Jesus. Philip knew that, and he was ready to boldly proclaim that to, to this Ethiopian eunuch on this desert road. The gospel is for everyone. And we get to see the results of of him sharing the gospel because we see that the Ethiopian eunuch then and there asks if he can be baptized. Now, just as a point, uh, some of your versions of the Bible, such as the KJV, might have a a verse that I didn't read. It's a verse that follows verse 36. And this is what it says in the KJV. It says, And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God without getting too deep into original manuscripts and, and all of that sort of thing, uh, through study, I found that this, this verse was most likely added by a well-meaning writer later on. It's just to clarify. But whether this verse was originally written in Acts or not, we actually know that he became a believer because Philip baptized him. Philip wouldn't have baptized him if he didn't proclaim Jesus as his Savior. So whether this verse is there or not, the, the truth is still there. The Ethiopian eunuch accepted Jesus as his Savior and was baptized. Philip baptized him. And right after leaving the water, 
Philip was whisked away by the Holy Spirit to a city called Azotus, where Philip preached the gospel and continued preaching as he traveled to Caesarea. But the Ethiopian eunuch carried on his way, rejoicing, rejoicing in his newfound relationship with Jesus. Think about that. He had left Jerusalem with questions, not knowing where he was going for all of eternity. But on this desert road, middle of nowhere, he met a man who told him about Jesus. And he met Jesus on that desert road and became a believer and has now had a personal relationship with him. And this is where the third and final application comes into play. Trusting God with the results. Before we get too much into this point, I want to bring up another prophet who kind of brings up an antithesis to this uh, example of Philip. So without going back and reading the whole book, it's, it's the story of Jonah. I'm sure we're all mostly familiar, or mostly, I would hope most of us are familiar with the story of Jonah, but I will quickly just recap what happens in the book you might be able to picture some of the coloring pages that you did as kids, or maybe you'd be able to still sing that song about Jonah and the bottom of the sea and the, and, the, and the belly of the whale. But without going back and reading all of this, I want to talk about Jonah's response to God's leading. See, Jonah was a prophet led by God to the city of Nineveh. He was told to go, go to the city of Nineveh and, and preach to them uh, about their great wickedness. Tell them about their great wickedness and, and really about the impeding destruction or the impending destruction that was going to follow. You see, Jonah didn't want to do this though. He hated the people of Nineveh. They were the, the Assyrians. The Assyrians were known, known for their, their corrupt wickedness. And they were enemies of, of Israel and Judah at the time. As a people known for their wickedness and, and as enemies of, of Jonah's home country, he had no desire to give them the, this, this news of destruction, to, to, to tell them of their, of their coming destruction. So Jonah ran. And this is the part of the story that we're probably most familiar with. He got on a boat. He tried to sail the opposite direction. He got hit by a storm, jumped, ended up being thrown overboard into the sea, swallowed by a whale, spit up on the beach, right? We're all familiar with that part. But then we look at what Jonah did. He went to the city of Nineveh after much, much prodding by the Holy Spirit, um, by, by the Lord. Basically, you know, putting him in the belly of a whale is a pretty extreme way to get someone to do what you want them to do. But he, that's what God did. And so we, Jonah finally went to Nineveh. And he went, it, the Bible says that Nineveh was a city that was so large that it would take three days to travel across. And it says that Jonah went only one day into the city told them of the coming destruction, to, just told the people, and then left. That's what the book of Jonah says. He didn't even travel all the way across the city. He just went one day, turned around, and left. You want to talk about doing the bare minimum. That's what Jonah was doing. But the people of Nineveh responded and repented of their sin. All the way from the bottom, uh, poorest, uh, worst person in the city, all the way up to the king of Nineveh, they, they repented of their sins. And they said, maybe, maybe God will relent from this destruction. Maybe God will forgive us. And we know that God did forgive them. And there was a great repentance and turning from sin. And so God relented from destroying the city. But do you remember what Jonah's response was to this? what his response to the results of him uh, giving the good news or rather the bad news to Nineveh. He was angry. He went out of the city and he had a pity party for himself. He was angry with God. 
In Jonah chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, it says this. This is, this is Jonah speaking to God. He says, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Jonah was so angry that God showed mercy to the people of Nineveh that he asked God to just let him die. And then in the following verses, God actually grows a vine and puts him in shade. From, it keeps him from, from dying of heat exhaustion. And then the next day, the plant dies. And Jonah is angry over the plant dying. And God goes to him and says, don't you see how backwards that is? Don't you see how, how backwards your thinking is here? You're angry over, over a vine that I grew, that I did all the work. I grew and I allowed to die. But you, you're, you're, you, you feel no pity for the people of Nineveh that I've showed mercy to. Jonah was not happy with the results of God, uh, with the results of God's mercy. He, he was not happy with the results. He did not trust God with the results. That's why he ran, because he knew God would be full of mercy, and he didn't want that. He didn't want God to work the way God was going to work. And think about that in comparison with Philip. When they were, both, when they were called, Jonah ran away, but Philip obeyed immediately. When, when they were called to give the gospel, uh, Jonah did the bare minimum. He did the bare minimum to, to give this news of the, the news that he was supposed to rep- proclaim to the Ninevites. To, he did the bare minimum to give them, but Philip did his utmost. He ran to the chariot. And, and with the results, we see that Philip was able to baptize him and rejoice that there was a new believer headed to heaven, whereas as Jonah was not. He was angry. All the way through, Philip never questioned God. He never questioned God. Philip didn't, uh, when, Philip, when the Spirit led him to leave Samaria, Philip said yes. When God told him to approach the chariot, he said yes. He didn't ask why that chariot or, or he, did, he didn't ask, why, why am I not giving the gospel to the people of my country or, or to the other Jews or to the other Samaritans? Or why am, I not being, uh, why am I not back in the church where I can reach many? He didn't ask any of those. He ran to, this, to the Ethiopian. And he answered yes and gave the gospel. And after Philip gave the Ethiopian the gospel, he asked to, to, the Ethiopian asked to be baptized. Philip didn't say, if you believe me. He said, if you believe in Jesus. Philip trusted the Spirit and ha- that the Spirit had a reason for bringing him to the desert road. He, had, he trusted that he, the Spirit had a reason for prodding him to approach this chariot. And he trusted, that, that he trusted the Lord with the results. The Ethiopian became a believer that day and was baptized and then got to go on his way rejoicing in his Savior. Think about what God did to reach this Ethiopian eunuch. He sent a soul winner, an evangelist. Philip is, becomes known as Philip the Evangelist, right? He's preaching the gospel well in Samaria. But he brought someone like that all the way down to the middle of nowhere, to the desert, to reach this one lost soul, to reach this Ethiopian who had questions, who wanted to know more. The Ethiopian left Jerusalem confused and questioning, but before he got home, he was able to. He was. He got. But before he got home, he was able to rejoice in his Savior.
And most likely he went home and told his friends and his family and his neighbors about the men he met on the desert road, about the man, Philip, and about the man, Jesus, who died for his sins and and redeemed him. And he gets to rejoice in that. Think about what that means for that Ethiopian eunuch. Because Philip listened to the prodding of the Spirit, because he went down to this desert road, there is a person, there is a soul in heaven with the Lord forever because he followed the Spirit's calling. He followed the Spirit's leading. If you're a believer today, you know what being a Christian means. You know what it means for you. It means you get to, to spend eternity in the glory of God, that you, you get to spend eternity with the one who died for you, who loves you more than anyone else ever could. Think about what that, me, what that means for that Ethiopian eunuch because Philip followed the prodding, because he gave the gospel boldly, and because he trusted the results with the Spirit. So let me ask each of you these questions. Three questions. Are you staying sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading? Last week, Dr. Hankins spoke on the indwelling spirit and how we each have received the indwelling spirit for the purpose of witness. We know that we've all been given gifts for the express purpose of, of giving the gospel to those around us, for witness for Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are a believer, you do have the Holy Spirit and he does lead you. He prods you to give the gospel to those around you. But... Are you sensitive to that calling? Or have you calloused your heart to say, now isn't a good time. You know, I'm at work. Or, I, you know, I'm going through the grocery store. Or I'm just here to get coffee. I'm in a rush. I'm, I'm doing my own life. I've got my own business. I've got these things. These things. I've got to do these things. Or are you giving the gospel to those around you? Are you ignoring the gospel's calling to give the gospel to everyone? Are you staying sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading? And when, when you're staying sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading, it gives you the, the opportunity to share the gospel boldly. And so that brings us to our second question from this passage. Do you share the gospel boldly? Do you know how to share the gospel boldly? Do you know how to share the gospel well? Right now we're going through a curriculum set up by, by Matt you know, for all the work he's done, thank him, all right? We're talking about evangelism and the giving of the gospel. It's fantastic. If you're not already attending a class and you don't know how to give the gospel, attend one of these classes. You will learn how to give the gospel effectively and clearly, all right? But beyond that, it's not just knowing how, but it's actually having the courage to do so. It's having the boldness to, to give the gospel to everyone, the, the idea of boldness requires that you, you don't, you don't, uh, the idea, I'm sorry, the idea of boldness does not say that you don't have fear, but it's saying that you don't give in to that fear. The idea of boldness is not saying that when you give the gospel at your workplace, you don't, it's not that you can't fear for losing your job. It's saying, I know I might lose my job, but that is small chips when <laughs> compared to the, to a soul coming to know Christ. It's when you're going through the grocery store and you've got to get home and you've got to cook dinner or you've got to make lunch or whatever you've got to do. It's saying that can wait 10 more minutes if it means that there is a person who might come to know Christ. 
Ladies and gentlemen, there should be nothing that stands in your way from boldly proclaiming the gospel. Don't let your own ambitions or your own inhibitions keep you from sharing the gospel with everyone and anyone that you get the chance. Think about Philip again and, 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 this, and the Ethiopian eunuch. If he had given in to any of the societal pressures that would have been on him, uh, you know, the awkwardness of approaching a stranger, the awkwardness of approaching a person from a different religion, a different race, a different culture, the awkwardness of approaching a, a, a man who is of higher rank than him, if Philip had done any of those things, there very well could be one less soul in heaven today. Think about what that means for you. Think about what that means if you ignore the Spirit's calling. If you ignore your calling to share the gospel. Think about what that means for the people around you that don't know Jesus. It means that that person might not ever know they might not ever know that Jesus died for them, that Jesus loved them, that he came and died to redeem them from their sins so we can live forever with him. You have that assurance and there should be nothing, nothing that keeps you from sharing that assurance and that good news with others. Ladies and gentlemen, share the gospel boldly. And that brings us to the third application. Trust in the spirit with the results. Trust in the Spirit with the results. As Dr. Hankins, again, he spoke last week, he spoke on, on the giving of gifts, gifts and how we're supposed to do the work, right? But ultimately, it's up to the Spirit uh, to, to change people's hearts. It's not up to us to change people's hearts. Our job is to give the gospel to those around us and to do it well and to, and to give the gospel boldly to everyone and giving it to the spirit from there on also takes everything off of you because after you've given the gospel, you can, you can say, I have done my duty. I've done my part. And now the spirit is going to work as the spirit is going to work. I can't change that person's heart. It's all up to the Holy Spirit. And... Think about what that means. If that person rejects you or gets angry or you get fired from your job or, or you get 10 minutes home from dinner and you got to cook a frozen pizza versus the three-course meal you're going to make, right? You know, all of those things. Yeah, you know, it's inconvenient at most. But even if they, all of those bad things happen to you all at once, maybe you get fired, you don't get to cook, and you, you're late. You know, maybe you have to eat a frozen pizza all in one day. That doesn't matter. Because it's up to the Spirit to work, not you. Being bold without fear of repercussions is how the gospel should go forth. The gospel shouldn't only be given when it's safe and easy, as nice as those opportunities are. Trust me, if every opportunity to give the gospel was safe and easy, that would be fantastic. That would great. That would be great. I would love that. But it's not. It's hard, it's difficult, it's, it can be awkward. But none of those things should stop you from giving the gospel. Trust that the Spirit is going to work in the way he sees fit. And before I close, I would just like to talk about a missionary. His name was A.W. Milne. Uh, back in the 20th century, he belonged to a group of missionaries called One-Way Missionaries. One-Way Missions. They would leave for the mission field fully expecting to never return, 
to never return to their homeland. And because of this, they, as a sign, a significant, uh, as a sign of what they were going to be doing, they would literally pack their belongings in a coffin. You see, this was a really, especially real thought for, uh, for A.W. Milne because he was headed to a tribe of headhunters uh, in the New Hebrides where every missionary before him had been killed by the tribe's people. But he believed the risk was worth it. He felt that the Spirit was leading him there and he followed the Spirit and he said, I am going to go there and proclaim the gospel and if the result is me dying, then that's, that is what it is. That will be what it will be. But I am going to go and follow what the Lord is telling me to do and give the gospel. But the story doesn't end that way. It actually ends 35 years later. After 35 years of successful missions work and gospel giving, many people of the tribe came to know Christ. And when he died, they wrote on his tombstone, they wrote this, when he came, there was no light. When he left, there was no darkness. Do you bring light where you go? Or do you hide it under a basket because you're too afraid or too shy or, or, or whatever that, you know, too fearful, whatever may keep you from giving the gospel? Are you bright? Do you let your light so shine? Or do you hide it under a basket? If you were going to leave this earth today, could you say, I followed the Spirit's calling. I gave the gospel boldly. And I trusted in God with the results. We're about to sing a song called Beneath the Cross of Jesus. Matt is going to come up and lead this in just a second. Think about what that means for you to be beneath the cross of Jesus. The, the first couple lines of this, of this song go, Beneath the cross of Jesus, I find a place to stand and wonder at such mercies that calls me as I am. The gospel is for everyone. You know that because if you are a believer, then you know the gospel is for you. But you should also know that as a believer, the gospel is for the people around you as well. And it is your duty, your calling, your job to give the gospel. We've been talking about an empowered church, right? You want to talk about something empowering? It is the gospel, the gospel empowers you to do the work. The Spirit leads you to do the work. There is nothing more empowering in your life than the gospel because it's all about Jesus and what he did and the glory of God. If you're not encouraged to give the gospel by, by this, by, by this uh, story of Philip being bold, I don't know what will. So again, follow the Spirit's calling. Give the gospel boldly and trust in God with the results. We'll pray, and then Matt will come up and lead the song. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you so much for your word and all that it has for us, God. We thank you for this uh, story of, of Philip and his, and his giving of the gospel to the Ethiopian eunuch. We thank you that if we have your son, that if we're a, a follower of Jesus, that if we're believers in Jesus, that we have assurance and faith, and that we get to spend eternity with you, God, I pray that, that the people here would become bold in sharing the gospel, understanding that, that the implications of sharing the gospel could have eternal, lasting effects. I pray that we would trust in you with the results and, and that we would grow in our love and our faith in you through this. I pray all these things in your name. Amen.